رادیو رومی Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Radio Rumi, to be precise, to the 40th episode of Radio Rumi. Isn't that wonderful? We've been together for 40 episodes, and still we have things to find in Rumi's poetry to learn from and to celebrate. It's also wonderful that these episodes have had over 16,000 downloads, which means many of you found them useful. I'm delighted to know that. Once again, I'm in my house in Capitol Hill, and it's a Sunday afternoon, bright and sunny. And I want to start this episode by reminding you all that number 40 is actually a very important number for Rumi and for many mystics and thinkers in various traditions. Of course, there are other numbers that are significant, like seven. But number 40 in some ways stands out, maybe because the feeling, the understanding was that one matures around that age, and it's a good time to reach an age where you could give what you have taken from life to others and share with others. Which is why in the story of the prophets and saints, we often see that their enlightenment, the epiphany that they go through, and whatever experience it is that gives them that special gift they have happens around the age 40. The story about Rumi is also that he met his teacher Shams around the age 40. Past these general conversations, I was thinking what to do for our episode 40 that kind of acknowledges the significance of the fact that we have lasted this long and hopefully we are doing something good with the amazing words of Rumi. And then I decided this program should be about speaking itself. What is about speaking that is special? What is its connection with thought? And how does Rumi speak about speaking. Well, let me first put on my professor of literature hat and remind us all of the fact that there was a time when scholars of literature thought about words and thoughts as if they were two separate things. It was almost as if we have these concrete thoughts and we decide to give some kind of expression to them, and then we find the right words to express them. Well, we don't think that anymore. The dominant view is that thinking and speaking are so closely intertwined that it is almost impossible to separate them from one another. And of course, a lot of people are doing concrete scientific research on the brain to see how these things are interrelated. But today, we are going to stick to Rumi and how he 
thought about the act of speaking and spoke about it. First, let me remind you that he often describes his own poetry as if it was a flock of birds flying from the palm of his hands, from his mouth, and take off and get high up there in the heavens. Of course, one can interpret that in many, many different ways. My interpretation has always been that one of the things he wants to tell us is that when you speak, your thoughts and words are alive. They're like birds. They take off and leave you, and then they meet their listeners. And the interaction that happens between them and their listeners is not something that you could have a great impact on. You've said it, you're done. The process of hearing it is a separate process that the listener is going to go through. So in relation to the difference between thinking and speaking, interestingly, Rumi has fascinating comments. For example, there is a famous Arabic proverb, which is also said in Persian, and many, many traditions refer to human beings as a speaking animal. And Rumi tells us, human beings are speaking animals, means human beings are thinking animals. Isn't that fascinating? He connects the two together centuries before this conversation has started among specialists and scholars. And then he goes on to say something even more interesting. He says, Speech is in you all the time, whether you say it or you don't say it. It is there. And of course, the Buddhists were very aware of this too. They called our minds jumping monkeys who go from one branch to the other because they're talking all the time and they're making noises that has an impact on how we feel and how we think. Rumi goes even further than that in giving his words, his speech, a kind of independence as if it could take over. And of course, other poets have said this about their own poetry. It's as if poetry takes over and it can say things and do things that you're not, as the poet, able to fully always control it. So Rumi says, Sohan man man nist va ru miranjam ke sohan My words are sometimes not in my control and I am unhappy. I am concerned about the fact that I cannot control it fully. But then he goes on to say that this is partly because these are inspired words. And he doesn't say this very often, but every once in a while he reminds us that his words are inspired words. Another major contribution that Rumi makes to speaking is underlying the significance of silence as a space in which our thoughts get seasoned. Divar gush darat, ahestetar sochangu, ay agl 
بام بر رو ای دل بگیر در را So he is about to speak Metaphorically he says The walls can hear me Let me speak in a lower tone of voice Oh my wisdom Go up on the roof and watch Like a guard Oh my heart Keep the door closed اعدا که در کمینند در قصه همینند چون بشنوند چیزی گویند همدگر را Now he uses the word the adversaries اعدا but it really is not in the context of fighting but he's like these adversaries are waiting they're going to take these words and spread them around and what is wrong with that? This is before you have seasoned your thought before you have something meaningful and important and effective to say. So be careful with not giving that out before it is ready. And then he gives us something a bit biographical about himself and his friends. Zanruz, ma voyaran, dar rah ahd kardim, penhan konim, So from the day that we saw that these words can be snatched and spread around before we are ready, we and our friends, so he speaks this in a very general terms, that raw on our way, in our journey, our friends and I decided that we will keep this under wraps, so to speak, and keep our heads down and walk and walk. And then he gives a metaphor so that we can see that and understand what he says. He says, Of course, the sea is where the natural pearl is found. And he uses the example of the sea, saying, The sea, like a closed box, is sitting quiet and ready to speak. What does it say? It says, I haven't seen any pearls. I don't know where the pearls are. In other words, the sea waits for everything to be ready before it gives us its pearls. Listening from Rumi's perspective is not only in order to prevent the words from spreading around. That is one benefit. But another major benefit is that in order to speak, you have to learn to first and foremost listen. What a beautiful example gives us. We can all naturally remember babies who don't speak, who listen and then start to speak by imitating those who speak around them. کودک اول چون بزاید شیر نوش مدتی خاموش باشد جمله گوش مدتی میبایدش لب دوختن از سخن تا خود سخن آموختن The suckling babe when it's born would be silent first all ears because it needs to close its mouth for a while so that he can hear 
the words of others بر نباشد گوش و تیتی میکند خیشتن را گنگ گیتی میکند and when the baby is not silent and is making sounds like titi tata it sounds more like people who are not able to speak کر اصلی کش نبود آغاز گوش لال باشد کی کند در نطق جوش and then he gives us the sad example of babies who are born without the ability to hear and says the one who is born without that ability in the end grows up unable to speak zan ke avval sam bayad notr ra suy mantiq az dar sam andara because it is first hearing that is needed so that from that door of hearing you can come towards the domain of speaking and this may be a good place for me to repeat what i have said before i learned this from a very uh, distinguished scholar professor abdul hussein azarin koop who said this about the masnavi he said the entire 27000 verses of masnavi begin with the word bishno which means listen in other words rumi gives you the most important concept at the very beginning rumi is also aware of the fact that words could sometimes be destructive in fact he talks about that a lot and he warns people against using language that could be destructive that could spread hatred that could spread anger and could lead to danger to other human beings zaliman qawmi که چشمان دوختند زن سخنها عالمی را سوختند the cruelest the cruelest of people are those who keep their eyes closed and say words that could set fire to the world around them عالمی را یک سخن ویران کند روبهان مرده را شیران کند one word can destroy a whole world around it it is as if it gives life to dead foxes and turns them into lions in other words no matter how insignificant how weak something bad is you can speak about it and turn it into a destructive and powerful factor in the life of others fortunately rumi continues to say that in its origin our words our inner being is not destructive it has the nature of the breath of jesus isaw dam so the breath of jesus was understood to be breathing life into the dead john hall dar asl khud isaw dam ast yek damash zakhm ast o digar the souls in themselves are life-giving like the breath of jesus but they do have a side that could hurt although their other side could be healing like an ornament and then he explains what separates these two qualities in human speech 
گر هجاب از جانها برخواستی گفت هر جانی مسیحا ساستی This is an amazing verse Mystics often talk about hijab The curtain that separates us from the truth, from reality The curtains of our imagination, our desire, our greed, our anger You name it, there could be multiple curtains before us Preventing us from seeing the reality around us. So he here connects it to our speech. He says, if you were not prevented by these hurdles, these curtains that stop you from seeing, whatever you said would be like the words of Jesus. In other words, Jesus was not bound by that limitation. گر هجاب از جانها برخواستی گفت هر جانی مسیحا ساستی and then he gives one really important piece of advice گر سخن خواهی که گویی چون شکر صبر کن از حرص و این حلوا مخور if you want your words to be as sweet as sugar be patient Avoid greed, even if sometimes greediness sounds as sweet as sweet meat, halva. But if you want your words to be truly effective, healing, avoid that greed. And that greed can be not just about money or a position or power. It could be simply being pleased by approval of others, saying something and waiting For others to say, oh, how wonderful, you said that so beautifully. I'm actually telling this to myself from time to time as I present these beautiful words of Rumi, so impactful that I can see it in the face of my listeners, how much it means to them. And I try to remind myself, it is important to share these words with them. Forget about the approval and focus on what is important, the words of Rumi themselves. Rumi gives us a very beautiful example in a story of the parrot. You know, there is a story where there's a rich merchant who wants to go to India and he goes to his family and says, what do you want from India? And also asks the parrot he has. He has a parrot he dearly loves. And the parrot says, tell them that one of your friends, one of your cohorts is here in my house in a cage. And when the merchant gives that message to the parrots of India, one of those parrots falls down the branch and dies. Or the merchant thinks he's dead. The merchant comes back and tells the parrot. And of course, when the parrot hears that, he falls down and dies, apparently or supposedly. And when they take him out of the cage, he flies because... His parrot friend from India told him this is the way to freedom. Of course, like most of the stories Rumi is quoting, this is also a parable. But there is a point when the merchant has come back from India and is talking to his own parrot and he says, I don't know why I gave your message. It hurt them so much that one of them actually fell and died. He says, In kardam, dadam payam. سوختم بیچار را زین گفت خام 
Why did I do this? Why did I give this message to them? I burned that poor little bird with words that I took, with the message that I gave them. And as usual, Rumi uses this opening, and it is now not the merchant, but the Rumi who continues this conversation about speaking and its impact. In Chirao Kardam, Chirao Dadam Payam, Sukhdam Bichar Raz in Guftakham, in Zaban Chun Sango, Ham Autash Vashast, Vanchebich had a Zaban Chun. This tongue, which also means language, it's like stone. If you hit two stones against each other, the sparks could fly. So this language is also like fire, and the sparks that fly are real fire. Now this is beautiful. This is Rumi. At his best, using this occasion to say many things at the same time. The first half of the verse, Sangal Tashra Mazan Barham Gazov, don't hit the stones together and create fire. And then, Gahzeru Yenaglo, Gal Hazru Yelav. Sometimes by just quoting others, and sometimes by exaggerating what you have to say. In other words, don't speak too much. And even when you speak, don't just quote others. Don't exaggerate. Be true to the message that you want to give and keep it as it is. Now, as I said, he is talking to many people, including some people whose religion and practice is based on what they have heard from quote-unquote authorities of the religion. So that's nagl, what they have heard. So they just practice it because somebody tells them to practice it. And also some people exaggerate. So these two things Rumi singles out as the harsh impacts of speaking, or rather not speaking properly. And then, as usual, he gives us this amazing metaphor that explains it all together in one verse. Zanketari kasto harsu زن که تاریک است و هر سوپم بزار در میان پنبه چون باشد شرار. Because it is dark and there is a cotton field all around us. What happens when you throw fire or rather sparks of fire in the middle of a pile of cotton? Now why is it dark? Because we don't always know everything that we need to know about every situation. So we might be saying things that could cause a lot of harm. And then again, we get to that famous verse, There is another set of ideas that Rumi connects with speaking, which is, very interesting, and that is speech as something that covers the meaning. In other words, not only every speech is not effective and expressive and useful, but some speech could practically cover the meaning that you want to give 
to your listeners. Now, we have all experienced reading something when we are thinking or rather wishing to tell the author, come on, tell me what you want to say. Why are you beating around the bush so much? Come out and give to us the point you want to make. And sometimes ourselves beat around the bush. So Rumi says, you could be sometimes talking, but in fact, not saying very much. And he uses his own example because he's a poet. And he says, Sometimes I'm writing poetry and I'm thinking about the rhyme. My beloved says, stop, don't think about anything but me. قافیه اندیشم و دلدار من گویدم مندیش جز دیدار من حرف چپود تا تو اندیشی از آن حرف چپود خار دیوار رزان Don't think about rhyme and meter, just think about me. What are words? Why are you worried about them? They could be like thorn bushes that grow on top of walls or anywhere. But there is a good reason why Rumi is talking about ineffective speech, because he wants to bring us to the point where there is a kind of communication that goes beyond speaking. Harfo soto draw barhamzanam in harse bauto damzanam. Listen to the original one more time. It's really beautiful. The words half, letters, or words, sot, sound, and goft, a discourse, a speech. Half for sot or goft draw bar hamzanam, tauke bi in harse, bauto damzanam. I am going to throw away words and sounds and speech because I want to speak with you without the interference of any of these. Three. And once again, he uses that opportunity to bring in the biggest power of speech that humanity has. Love that expresses itself more eloquently than any poetry ever. I am drowned. I am submerged in a love in which all kinds of other loves are submerged. In other words, love par excellence, love in its full essence. And then he says, Mujmalash goftam, Mujmalash goftam, nagoftam zan bayan, varnaham afham suzat ham zaban. I said it very briefly. I didn't go into full explanation because if I do that, tongues and powers of understanding could all be burned. In other words, there are things that do not fit into language. And if they are fit eloquently, they can bring about such major transformation that is beyond the human capacity to face in one moment. Another metaphor that Rumi uses about speaking is getting naked. Yes, getting naked. 
I mean, it's amazing the way he finds these truly unusual metaphors, which in fact become very effective because they're not things that you hear from everybody. They are very special to him. تو را که عشق نداری تو را رواست بخوسب تو را که عشق نداری تو را رواست بخوسب برو که عشق و غم او نصیب ماست بخوسب You haven't tasted love you can just go fall asleep go go to sleep for dedication to his love and all the sorrow and waiting that comes with it is my share is for me that's fine you go به جستجوی وسالش چو آب میپویم تو را که قصه آن نیست کو کجاست بخوست I am running around searching hoping to be united with my beloved like a water that flows it can't do anything but flowing if you don't have that concern if you don't want to find your love. If you don't want to know where the beloved is, fine, go to sleep. And then he talks about various other stages of being in love and says, if you're not one of us, that's fine, you can sleep. And then he feels like he has probably said too much. Maybe he has scared his listeners away. So then he uses the metaphor of tearing his own clothes by speaking. لباس حرف دریدم سخن رها کردم تو که برهنه نئی مر تو را قباست بخوسب. So then he says I've torn open my cloak of words. I have given you everything I could in my words. I am now naked. If you're not naked, if you are wearing those comfortable clothes, go get your sleep. Let me end with two amazing metaphors that I am absolutely sure I have been talking about in these episodes before. One is that the connection between speaking and doing should be there for words to have any meaning. If you're just simple words and no action, no presence, then that's going to be forgotten. And he gives us this beautiful metaphor of stars. یکی در ستاره نظر می کند و راه می برد. هیچ ستاره سخن می گوید با وی. یکی در ستاره نظر می کند و راه می برد. هیچ ستاره سخن می گوید با وی. الا به مجردان که در ستاره نظر می کند راه را از بیراه می داند. This person lost in the desert looks at the stars and finds his or her way. Are the stars talking? No. Their presence is light giving. And it is their presence that speaks in silence to the seeker of the road. I have a feeling that Rumi might also have said all of this in connection to some of the teachers and masters who spend a lot of time speaking, using the pulpit to reach a greater crowd of people and so on and so forth. What he's saying is that the greatest of teachers teach by just being there. 
And I am going to end with this absolutely favorite quote of mine. In Sohan برای آن کس است که او به سخن محتاج است اما آنکه بی سخن ادراک کند با وی چه حاجت سخن است these words are for people who need them obviously most of us need them اما آنکه بی سخن ادراک کند با وی چه حاجت سخن است the one who understands without words one doesn't need to speak with such a person and here is the beauty in the saying آخر آسمان ها و زمین همه سخن است پیش آن که ادراک کند because the heavens and the earth all around us are words for those who can hear and understand them let me say it one more time آخر آسمان ها و زمین همه سخن است پیش آن که this is it for our 40th episode of Radio Rumi. Thank you for listening and I look forward to talking with you very soon again. For now, goodbye.